It is Wednesday, April 12th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me today is Jared Smola, and I'm especially glad to have my wide receiver prospect guru with me on board today because we will be previewing this year's class of rookie wideouts. Jared, before we get to specific players, what's your class summary here? Yeah, I hate to start the show off this way, but underwhelming is the first word that comes to mind for me with this wide receiver class. Um, you know, I, I always come into this process with a pretty blank slate. Like I, I don't watch a ton of college football. I, I watch less and less as the years go on now as I'm you know busier and plenty of stuff that you know we're doing NFL-wise during the season. So I don't watch a ton. I come in with a kind of clean slate with these guys, and I was expecting to like this wide receiver class more than I do. I think there's some fine depth pieces, but there's only a couple guys maybe two or three guys that i'm like really excited about that i think really could be like big time fantasy difference makers there seems to be kind of like an overall um i don't know deflated feeling about this rookie class now after a year ago people were like you've got to pick up draft picks for next year because next year's rookie class is amazing i think it's just the latest example of something getting overblown and you know then disappointing in relation to that we'll see how this class actually turns out we have Three in-depth profiles of eight rookie wideouts live on DraftSharks.com right now. Might be nine by the time you're reading this. We've got one more very close to joining, plus a bunch of other prospects across all the other positions. We also have two rookie mock drafts available for your perusal. Those are free to look at. And staff consensus rankings for both one quarterback and super flex formats. So check all that out. We're going to keep updating those ahead of the NFL draft. And of course, after the draft, we will deliver that one clear version of rookie rankings that you've come to expect from draft sharks. If you've been with us for a while, if you are a DS insider, you can get something even better because we're refining our dynasty rankings formula even further beyond what it was last year. That process starts with our award-winning projections. Then it applies historical data, some player longevity, player production, the curves of how each position and even style of players now go throughout their careers. So we put all that together. We deliver you three-year, five-year, 10-year dynasty projections. That means a better picture of each player's value. It also means that you can customize our dynasty rankings to fit your specific league format and settings. So check out those robust dynasty rankings on site anytime by format, create your own draft war room so that you can start applying them directly to your league. And I mean, the sooner you dig in, the sooner you can start making trades that fleece your league and dominate for the next few years. If you want to learn more about the draft war room and everything else, you're not a DS insider, just click the link in the notes for this podcast. We'll explain everything you need to know. So Jared, as I mentioned up top, we're here to talk about the breakup of Taylor Swift and Joe Alwyn. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I had to get out of uh, drive to school mode with the kids. We're here to talk about rookie wideouts. And we're going to start with the current top six in our DS consensus rookie rankings. Of course, number one, and it seems like right now the only player that, you know, pretty much everybody agrees on is Jackson Smith and Jigba of Ohio State. Why don't you tell me a little bit about him? Yeah, wide receiver one for me, wide receiver one for our site rankings. And to me, JSN is in a tier of his own. Um, and it's the closer and closer we get to the draft, it seems like the NFL is going to view him that way too. If the mock drafts we see are right, um, where it's, you know, Smith and Jigba potential top 15 pick and the rest of these wide receivers, you know, maybe hoping to get into the late first round, but I really like the Amon Ross St. Brown comp for Jack, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think they're similar players. I think JSN is going to win in a similar way at the NFL level. 
just one big college season to go on for Smith and Jigba. You see the box score here if you're watching on YouTube. You know, he didn't do much as a freshman. A hamstring injury basically wrecked his entire 2022 season. But that 2021 season, ninth in the country with 95 catches, third in the country with 1,606 receiving yards. And he did that playing alongside Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Olave at that point, a uh, senior, Garrett Wilson, a junior, JSN was a sophomore. And we, we saw Olave and Wilson just got first round draft capital, had awesome rookie season. So that only, you know, uh, pumps up what Smith and Jigba did as a, so- as a uh, sophomore. Now he's 6'1", 196. So he doesn't have awesome size, but he, the size is not a concern like it is for some of these guys we're going to talk about later on here. Uh, four, five, two, 40 time for Smith and Jigba. So he's not a burner, but he's fast enough. What I like about the measurables, he had elite marks in the three cone and 20 yard shuttle, uh, 96, uh, 96th percentile in the three cone, 97th percentile in the, in the short shuttle. And that's how he's going to win in the NFL, right? He's going to be more of the short range, mid range, intermediate wide receiver, probably playing from the slot for the most part. And I think those measurables kind of confirm that he is that elite quickness that it's going to be able to get separation at the next level. Yeah, I was going to say not the biggest guy, not an amazing tester, but big enough, especially in comparison to a lot of the other wideouts in this class. And we'll get to some of them. And as you said, the way that he tested well, like the areas in which he did test well are the areas that are going to matter for how his game is likely to fit in the NFL. It used to be a negative if a guy looked like he was going to be primarily a slot receiver in the NFL. But, you know, there's at least one or two, maybe a few in the sleeper range. But guys who can turn a slot role in the NFL into a high volume future. And I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is the primary guy in this class that has that kind of outcome. Yeah, he ran Smith and Jigba ran 89% of his routes from the slot in that 2021 season. And I do think that's where he's going to be primarily in the NFL. But I, I think he could win on the outside too. He's big enough, he's athletic enough. And he didn't, you know, he only saw nine targets from outside the numbers in that 2021 season at Ohio state, but he caught eight of them for 239 yards. So like, you know, when he did get the chance to win on the outside, he showed that he could do that at Ohio state. So I don't think he's going to be pigeonholed as just a slot receiver. And as you were saying, even if he was that, that's not a big deal in today's NFL. Go back to the Amon Ross St. Brown comparison. He's almost exclusively in the slot has had big seasons. I think JSN has that type of upside. I think, I think he has like 100 catch upside at, at the NFL level. Yeah, if the downside is that he's only inside in the NFL, fine. Most teams are playing three receivers most of the time at this point, so that'll work out. Number two on the list is Quentin Johnston from TCU. Not quite as much staff agreement on him as with Jackson Smith and Jigbo, and really not quite as much agreement in general on him as JSN. So I like Quentin Johnston. Um, Alex and I, among Draft Shark staffers, have him number one among wide receivers. What I like is the size, 6'3", 208. Um, You mentioned your profile. He is not the kind of wide receiver that needs to dominate target share to put up numbers because he's a big guy. He can work downfield. He's also good after the catch. So, Jared, tell me what the downside case is for Quentin Johnston here. Yeah, I'd say his college production is not bad. It's not elite. It's not at you know the, what Smith and Jigba did in twenty twenty one. But you know, um, Quinn Johnston's market shares were pretty solid. For me, it's one the offense he came from. I think he's going to have an adjustment to make to a more, more pro style scheme. We see that from a lot of these Big Twelve wide receivers. I know you have Jalen Rager is like a, a name we we don't want to bring up. You know, can't come from the same school um, in, in this conference. We see a lot of guys struggle coming from the Big Twelve, but then. 
with Johnston, he's going to need to find an offensive coordinator and a team that knows how to use him because he does have the size. Like you said, 6'3", 208. He almost plays like a smaller wide receiver, though. My biggest knock against him is he's not as good in contested situations as he should be. He has a bad habit of letting the ball get into his body in contested situations rather than you know going up to extend and snatch it away. So that kind of negates his size advantage. Johnston does have some drop issues, pretty high career drop rate, which isn't a major concern for me, but it's at least worth something keeping an eye on. Again, he plays like a smaller receiver. And what I mean, you want to get him the ball in space on shorter and, and intermediate routes. I think his after the catch skills you mentioned to me, that's his best trait. He is awesome after the catch because he moves like a smaller wide receiver with the quickness and agility. And he also has the power to break tackles. Um, so to me, that's his number one asset is after the catch. So I want to see him land with a team that gets that doesn't want to use him like a, you know, Williams, you know, this outside clasher in 50, 50 situations, use him, you know, get the most out of him by getting him the ball in space. Yeah. Um, you can check Jared's profile on Quentin Johnston on DraftSharks.com. You can see the gifts of uh, Quentin Johnston. It, it, you know, his, his talents at work uh, on the screen right now is his mock draftable spider web. And that's, that's also a shot of my heart when I look at it <laughs> for Quentin Johnston, because we talked yeah. about the size he chose not to run, which, you know, is, is it, that's like a pink flag at the combine. If a guy yeah. comes in as a speedy guy and he chooses not to run the 40, that seems to indicate that he's expecting to run a slower time than what the league wants to see. I'm going to go ahead and not worry about that. As long as he's in the first round, maybe it knocks his draft capital down, but we'll see what he did do. He tested in the broad jump. He tested in the vertical. He blew those out. 97th percentile broad, 93rd percentile vertical. So we've got a big athletic guy who won, you know, downfield and after the catch, as you mentioned, like if we had a class with some near perfect prospects in it, then I think Johnston would slot in more behind them. But in this class where everybody has uh, pimples, at least to their profile, he stands out to me as a guy that if he hits, it could be really big. Yeah. Johnston did run his, uh, an official 40 of four, five, two at his pro day, whether you want to, you know, adjust that up more to four or five, seven, like he, He's, he looks like a four or five guy on tape, which is fine for a guy of his height and weight, right? Like he's not a burner, but he's, he's plenty fast enough. I'm not concerned about that. And as you said, the reason he is my wide receiver too, and, and I think he's a boom bust prospect. I would not be surprised if he is, you know, a nothing in, in three years, but he's my wide receiver too, because really be, other than JSN, Johnson's the only guy where I like see a pass to wide receiver one fantasy production as a pro. I, it's, it's tough for me to imagine that with any of these other guys. So that ceiling is what has me, um, you know, for now ranking Johnston as the number two wide receiver in this class. And speaking of those other guys, we'll get to number three now. And that's somebody who might not even be able to reach the literal ceiling, let alone his figurative ceiling, Jordan Addison from USC. This guy's tiny and Jared, you comped him to a slower Brandon Cooks. I mean, Brandon Cooks' biggest selling points is speed. Brandon Cooks also yeah. can't seem to stay with an NFL team. So should I be worried about Jordan Addison? The, the size is a legit concern. He's 5'11". That's fine. He's a hunt, He was 173 pounds at the combine. That lands him in the third percentile among wide receivers at the combine since 1999. Over the past 10 seasons, there have only been four wide receivers under 180 pounds. So that's even you know giving Addison another seven pounds. Only four under 180 to top 1,000 receiving yards. Deshaun Jackson, John Brown, Devonta Smith, Darnell Mooney. That's like the type of player 
we're looking at here. And then the other concerning thing about Addison at the combine, he tested as a 58th percentile athlete. So it's not bad, but he's not going to win with athleticism. He's not going to win with size. So that, that leaves him shaky, but the, the college production definitely needs to be respected respected because he, he was awesome, especially his first few seasons at Pitt. Um, he took a bit of a step back this past year at USC, but it definitely wasn't, wasn't a bad season. Yeah. And I mean, you can kind of assess his pit time in one of two ways. And it depends on how you feel about Kenny Pickett. Either he <laughs> helped Kenny Pickett be a first round quarterback, or he benefited from playing with a first round quarterback. I, I guess the fairest way is to be somewhere in the middle. Cause we don't really know about either player yet. I don't yeah. think that Kenny Pickett's an amazing player. I think Jordan Addison probably helped Pickett more than Pickett helped Addison, but you know, we'll see. We've talked about the mock draftable webs. You can see that in Jordan Addison's article or on our YouTube right now. It, it's not good. I mean, you know, as you said, it's not bad, but for a smaller guy, we would really like to see some more explosive stuff in here. So it, it's generally okay. I think it, it drags down his profile a little bit. I'm very curious to see if Addison gets into round one of the NFL draft or if he slides into round two in this group. Yeah. You know, in general, we know that measurables mean a lot less for wide receivers than they do for tight ends and running backs. You know, we're talking about the athleticism stuff. I do think the weight matters. Um, I will say for Addison too, again, production's awesome on tape to me. He's the best separation creator in this class. Uh, The athleticism does not look like an issue for me when it comes to route running for Addison. He was also super effective downfield in college last year. He was one of 12 wide receivers in the country to earn a 99.9 PFF receiving grade on targets, 20 plus yards downfield. He caught nine of his 17 deep targets for 370 yards and two touchdowns. So again, that, that, tells me maybe the, the lack of athleticism isn't going to be as big of a deal. Or on the flip side, you could say, you know, we have this smaller guy who doesn't have elite speed. Is that deep ball game going to translate to the next level? I think that's a, that's a fair concern as well. And even if that doesn't, maybe the separation skills help him win in the slot. So, yeah. and at the very least, if he goes to the Cardinals, he won't have to pay a whole lot of money in the <laughs> cafeteria. So that's a positive for him. Number four on our list in our consensus rankings is Zay Flowers from Boston College. And he wishes he were as tall as Jordan Addison. Jared. <laughs> Zay Flowers is 5'9", 182. He strikes me as the kind of guy who will love to tell you repeatedly that it's not the size of the dog in the fight. Uh, He's an outside receiver at BC and it seems like he brings an outside receiver game. Is that going to limit him as a pro? Yeah, he's definitely fun, fun to watch. Um, And he's really a similar archetype as Addison. As you said, the size is similar. He's a bit shorter. He's about 10 pounds heavier. My size concern with Zay Flowers, he has second percentile arm length and ninth percentile wingspan. So, you know, on top of the short frame, he has really short arms. Um, he has definitely has a small catch radius. If you watch his tape, he also dropped 11% of his uh, career catchable targets per uh, pro football focus. So then the other knock against a flowers, of course, um, which these other three guys we talked about have working in their favors. A flowers is not an early declare. He spent four seasons at BC and he um, will turn 23 in September. You know, he's a year and a half older than Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jordan Addison, but the production for flowers was strong. And it's stronger. If you look at it from a market share perspective, because he did not play in good offenses at Boston college, the quarterback play was crappy. That's the first thing you notice. If you watch Zay flowers tape, just 
bad quarterback play, either not looking at him when he's wide open or missing him when he, when he's wide open. But, you know, from a market share perspective, he broke out as a sophomore, 29% of the team's receiving yards and 39% of the receiving touchdowns as a sophomore, upped his market shares as a junior, 34% of the receiving yards, 36% of the receiving touchdowns, then had another big year as a senior this past year, 57% of Boston College's receiving touchdowns this past season. So he does check the production boxes that we're looking for. We just, you know, don't love that. He's an older prospect that, that did stay in school for all four years. Yeah. I mean, that's never a positive. You don't want to ding him too hard. If you're watching on YouTube right now, you might see the player card from draft sharks that has um, Jared's comp is Jahan Dotson. So that's kind of a, a positive outcome for a four year guy. And obviously you're not, throwing away players just because they play all four years in college at wide out. My, my biggest concern I think is that he's an outside receiver in college who just doesn't look like he has the yeah. body or I don't know, extreme athleticism that he would need to counteract the lacking body type to play outside in the NFL. So if he does have to play a different game in the NFL, then I think it becomes more of a projection. Yeah, I think he probably ends up mostly in the slot as a pro. I think he can win there. I think that's fine. Um, just, you know, similar deal with um, Flowers as Jordan Addison. I just wonder about the upside. Like, I think he's going to be a solid NFL player, you know, could give you some, you know, lower end wide receiver two seasons in fantasy football. I just, I think it's going to be tough for for these guys just because of the size um, to, you know, really be like elite fantasy producers. And I think in addition to, you know, affecting how we shuffle the receivers together, it affects maybe whether you're willing to go take a running back, whether you're willing to take a tight end earlier, yeah. whether you want to take a QB in your rookie draft. I think it's it's a little bit easier to pass on a couple of these guys than it might normally be to just pass on whoever the wide receiver four is in that specific yeah. class. For sure. Number five on our list is Jalen Hyatt, uh, another tiny guy. Get ready if you uh, weren't ready. Um, faster, though, and more explosive than the past couple guys that we got to. We'll show his mock draftable web in a minute. Six feet tall, so he beats Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers in that category. But Jalen Hyatt and Devontae Smith could go to a salad bar and share a plate. <laughs> yeah, Hyatt's what? Under 180? What, what is he? Uh, one, 176. And again, at six feet. So he's um, slender, I think, is a good word for him. But Hyatt... Hyatt's definitely the big play guy in this wide receiver class. Um, ran a four-four flat at the combine. I think you could argue he plays even faster. He averaged eighteen point nine yards per catch last year against SEC defenses, and the twenty twenty-two season was huge for Hyatt. Uh, Twelve hundred sixty-seven yards, fifteen touchdowns, thirty-two percent of Tennessee's receiving yards, forty-three percent of the receiving touchdowns. Won the Litnikoff Award as the nation's top wide receiver. So that's awesome. The concern is that was his only big year of production. His first two seasons at Tennessee, he had 41 catches total. And then you watch the tape of Jalen Hyatt, and you, you see this if you watch Hendon Hooker or Cedric Tillman, who I think we'll talk about in a little bit. This Tennessee offense is just funky. They use a lot of these stacked formations. They play super fast. I think the defenses they're playing against are like always gassed, which maybe made Hyatt look a little faster than he actually is. But Hyatt, I think, he faced press coverage on 62 snaps in his entire college career. He consistently Tennessee uses these stack formations and Hyatt's consistently the, the, the back guy. So he's just getting running head starts before the defense can get a hand on him. So he's just going to, he's going to have a big transition to make to his NFL offense. That's my biggest concern with him, but he is a, you know an early declare younger player. And again, I do think the speed 
is going to translate to the NFL level. So I think worst case, you're looking at a guy that's going to make some big plays for his NFL team. It's going to take some developing for him to become more than that, though. 62 snaps, by the way, to put it into context, that's basically one game worth of snaps <laughs> over his entire college right. career. I think it's interesting with Jalen Hyatt that he um, came out highest in, among wide receivers in our guy Alex Korf's prospect model, peaked in high school, for those of you who might know Alex from Twitter or Reddit. Um, you can check that out for free on DraftSharks.com right now. That includes a link to the spreadsheet that Alex has been doing all the work in. But Jalen Hyatt came out tops among all wideouts in the prospect model score. He came out pretty high in agreement factor too. So that means that all of the inputs going into calculating this model score agree pretty well that he looks like a good prospect. So like I said, you can read all about it. Alex will explain it better than I could. But I think the takeaway here, Jared, is that Jalen Hyatt is an attractive prospect and what he does well, the yeah. different areas, be it production, film grades, all that, seem to agree that he does that thing really well. Yeah, Hyatt's also Lance Zierlein's top-graded wide receiver in this class. And I, I know you know we both respect the work Zierlein does. I don't think anyone watches more tape than he does. So, again, I just think he, Hyatt's not a clean translation to the pro game, but like I, I can see how he could end up being a really strong producer. And I don't think he's going to be a high volume guy, which I think hurts his fantasy outlook a bit. Um, but he could definitely be someone that, you know, averages 16 yards per catch and, and has these high touchdown rates because of his big playability. Yeah. Helped by this class where everybody's got something wrong with their profile. <laughs> right. Number six. And the last guy we're going to focus on within our consensus rankings is Josh Downs of North Carolina another tiny player because <laughs> that's the theme of this year's class five nine one seventy one for josh downs zay flowers would look at him and call him shrimpy <laughs> wonderfully productive at unc the past two years the 195 yeah. total catches over that span 19 touchdowns probably strictly an nfl slot though right jared for sure. That's what Downs was at UNC, um, especially in 2021. He played 96% of his snaps in the slot. He had an 8.5 yard average depth of target. So he was a slot guy. He was running short stuff. This past season, he did play on the outside 22% of the time, but he only averaged 1.99 yards per route run on the outside. Not a great number. So he just wasn't very effective out there. So you look at that, you look at the size, you look at how he plays like Downs, creates separation on short routes and in, on intermediate routes. Like I, he's going to do that at the next level. I'm not concerned about that. I just think that's kind of what he is. Um, he's pretty good after the catch. Like he can be a nice slot receiver in the NFL. And if he lands in a right, the right spot, like he could be a guy who catches 70 or 80 balls in, in, in a season or, or three. I just don't think he's going to be a big yards per catch guy. I don't think he's going to be a big touchdown guy. So it's, it's another case of a guy. I just think his fantasy ceiling is, is, is kind of capped. Yeah, I, I don't think you take a player like Josh Downs over a player like Quentin Johnston because if they both hit, Johnston's ceiling is just going to be so much higher. But in this class, with so much that you don't know about, you know, Josh Downs is maybe a safer option, third among wide receivers in the Draft Sharks prospect model score. He did pretty well on agreement factor, too. So, like we said with Jalen Hyatt, the things that he does well, pretty much any measure you use to check it, they say he does it pretty well. Yeah, my, my last note on Downs, too, you're going to see a lot of people say he's this awesome contested catch receiver because he does have some nice highlight real contested catches. But if you watch all his tape and actually look at the numbers, like he's average, which, which is actually pretty impressive to be an average contested catch guy that size. 
but you, you put him against NFL corners now, they're just bigger and better. Like he, he's not going to win that way in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, you're certainly going to want to scheme him open if you're coaching Josh Downs in the NFL. Yes. So that's our consensus top six, but we would like to know who you think is missing from that list. Who do you like apparently more than we do collectively? Leave us a YouTube comment on this episode. Let us know who should be inside our top six. Tell us who you would knock out. Tell us who doesn't belong inside that top six. Maybe you just have a favorite sleeper. Maybe it's not even about being inside or outside the top six. We want to hear who that favorite sleeper is. So leave us a comment on this uh, on this podcast on YouTube. And if you're not a YouTube viewer, you, we still want to hear from you. Give us a review wherever you're consuming this podcast. Tell us who your favorite sleeper wide receiver is in this class. As we mentioned, there are plenty of guys with issues, so maybe your sleeper is set to emerge. Jared, we're not necessarily moving on to sleepers now, but we're going to move on to some guys outside the top six, maybe outside the top 12, and talk about either the positive or negative. I'm going to start negative because I guess that's just my style. It's just kind of fun. <laughs> Rushy Rice was number six in my wide receiver rankings. If you check the site right now, you still see him at that number, but he's falling for me. So Rashi Rice, for anybody who's not familiar, a four-year player at SMU. I feel like at this point, I probably should have had him flipped with Jaden Reed in my initial rookie rankings because Jaden Reed just looks like the more solid prospect. I do remain intrigued by Rice. He's got decent size. He's got decent speed. He's got, he had a decent breakout age. He had decent production overall, terrific senior year production. We would have liked yeah. to see that emerge a little bit earlier, but I guess the issue might be that he's just a decent player and maybe he just doesn't turn into somebody that can make a difference for us yeah. in uh, fantasy football in the NFL. And then kind of the, the most recent thing that worries me is I saw, um, this uh, reception perception route tree from Matt Harmon and, you know, Rashi Rice, not especially <laughs> successful on anything yeah. on it, except for screen passes and catches in the flat. And I mean, if that's what you're doing, then yeah. you're probably not giving us a whole lot of fantasy value. Yeah. And that's just 2022 data. It looks like. So we're talking about, as you said, a, a fourth year college player at SMU. So it's not like he's facing SEC. I'm surprised he fared so poorly in this reception perception for Matt Harbin because he had a great, he had great production this past year as a senior. He was seventh in PFF receiving grade and 10th in yards per route run among 377 qualifying wide receivers last year. So, you know, to me on paper that the, the 2022 season looks really strong from rice. Again, it was his senior year at a at lower level level competition. Um, as you said, you know, good enough size, six, one, two, four, he earned a 95th percentile relative athletic score, which I was surprised by, you know, watching him, he doesn't look like an elite athlete to me, but that was, that was good to see. So there's definitely stuff to like, as we can say about most of these guys at this point, I think I'm curious to see how the NFL feels about him. Like if rice can get day two draft capital, that'd be a big win for him. And I think at that point, you know, he, he would be someone to consider in this, you know, wide receiver seven, eight, nine type of range. Yeah. He's definitely not a player I'm throwing out right now, but I would say I'm tempering my excitement. Like I said, I had him at wide receiver six. He's definitely not going to stay at that number, but 10, I think he could certainly stay at 10 going forward. Who is a wide out that's moving down your rankings as you continue through the process? Yeah. Keishon Boutte keeps moving farther and farther down for me. And I mean, He's a, again, I, I don't watch a ton of college football, but he, you know, you end up turning on the TV on Saturday night and there's a lot of SEC games on. You see LSU quite a bit. And I remember Boutte having this awesome 
freshman season. He Butte led LSU in receiving yards as a true as a true freshman back in 2020. And even in 2021, he averaged 85 yards and 1.5 touchdowns over his first six games. But then he suffered this right ankle injury that ended up re, that ended up requiring two surgeries. And he just did not look like the same player this past season, just 49 receiving yards per game, two total touchdowns, a career worst PFF receiving grade that ranked 263rd out of three, 377 qualifiers. And then he goes to the combine and, and bombs it. Um, you know, he's 5'11", 195, so he's a smaller receiver, 30th percentile in the broad jump, second percentile in the vert. Um, so I, I just, you know, I, I, I've compared him to the Justin Ross of this class. You remember Justin Ross had the, the awesome freshman season at Clemson, had injuries and just wasn't the same guy. And, you know, Butte's injury isn't as serious as, as Ross's were. So, you know, maybe he can get over this ankle thing and become the player he was as, as a freshman. But the, the combine performance really worries me. Like maybe he's just not ever going to get over that ankle injury. So I, I kind of keep nudging him farther and farther down, despite what was a really impressive start to his career. Yeah. He ticks the box of early breakout, especially since it came in the sec, like the early entrant, but this is where it matters that you look at facts and not just, you know, how it fits the model. And you can't ignore that. He has, yet to be as good as he was as a freshman. So you don't want to forget about him completely. I think maybe from middle to end of third round on in rookie drafts, it's fine to take a shot, but we'll see where he lands in the NFL draft. Certainly if it's round five or later, then it's going to be time to not pay a whole lot of attention to him. Um, The next guy that I want to talk about is Cedric Tillman. And he has kind of become the other receiver from this Tennessee group. We talked about <laughs> Jalen Hyatt earlier. Uh, you've been nearly the highest on staff on Cedric Tillman all along. Kevin's one spot higher than you in the latest set of our rankings that hit the site. And I know that you've been working on Cedric Tillman's profile this week. So, Jared, how are you yep. feeling about Cedric Tillman at the moment? Yeah, I was just watching him this morning, actually. Um, that article will be up up soon. Uh, yeah, Tillman to me is kind of like Quentin Johnston, where it's the upside that has me intrigued. Because in this class of tiny wide receivers, Tillman is 6'3", 213 pounds. He plays like it. Like, he is physical. He is physical in his routes. He's awesome in contested catches. He um, corralled 13 of 18 contested opportunities in, in 2021. That was his big season. Um, he had... 1,081 yards and 12 touchdowns in that 2021 season. Jalen Hyatt was on that team and did basically nothing. So, you know, a year ago, Tillman was the guy we were all looking at coming out of Tennessee. He had a high ankle sprain early this past season that required surgery. He tried to come back for a couple games, just just wasn't healthy and ended up only playing in six games this past season. But, you know, again, he's 6'3", 213. He tested as a 97th percentile athlete. So, you know, that's kind of the upside. The downside on Tillman – He's a five-year college player. He did nothing his first three seasons on campus, including taking a redshirt as a freshman, didn't do anything his next two seasons. Had the big 2021 season, but you know he, he was already an older prospect at that point. He's 23 years old already now. And like Hyatt, I mean, we, we if we're using the knock of Tennessee's funky offense against Hyatt, we have to consider that with, with Tillman too, that he's going to have this transition to make to the next level. So um, again, curious to see where he goes. Lan- I don't know if you saw this, Lance Zerline snuck Tillman in at pick 31 in his latest mock draft to the chiefs, which, you know, Tillman's dynasty value would blow up that's case. But just the fact that he's getting any first round buzz from, you know, someone who has some insider knowledge um, makes me think Tillman might go a bit higher than people are expecting. 
I think my one caveat would be that his dynasty perceived value would blow yes. up at that point. <laughs> his actual yes. value would probably be uh, overrated. I kind of hope that he doesn't go to the Chiefs for just that reason, because there's no way you're sneaking him through a rookie yeah. draft if he's a Chiefs wideout. If not, I mean, if you're taking him a shot on him in mid to late third round, you know, similar to the other guys we talked about, that's where you like a player who, if he hits, then the hit can be big because of the size and downfield ability that you talked about with Tillman and some other guys among the players that we haven't talked about yet. Who is your favorite wide receiver? I've already talked about Jaden Reed. I've written more about him than talked about him. I mentioned him once more on the show. Um, I did the profile on draftsharks.com. I took him in our first rookie mock. So really you can read my thoughts about Jaden Reed on there. So Jared, I want to hear first who your player is for this section. Then I'll share mine. Yeah, I don't want to do a wide receiver podcast without talking about Marvin Mims, um, who is my wide receiver seven. And to me, you know, he's my wide receiver seven. He's in the same tier for me as Jalen Hyatt and Josh Downs. Like if draft capital and landing spot, you know, come out in Mims's favor, he, he could he could pass Hyatt and or Downs for me. Mims just checks a ton of boxes that we look for as, you know, as a college producer he broke out as an 18-year-old true freshman at Oklahoma. He led that team in both receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. Mims actually led Oklahoma in receiving yards all three of his of his seasons there, which which is pretty rare and, and a pretty impressive feat. Um, he had over a thousand yards this past year on 20 20.1 yards per catch. He's just an awesome deep ball receiver. He has the speed. He's a really good ball tracker. Really good hands on the deep balls. He declared early, you know, three-year college player. He just turned 21 years old. Again, he ran the 4-3-8 at the combine, so he confirmed the speed if you weren't convinced watching him. Um, and he also was 89th percentile in the vert and the broad. So he, he just tested as a really strong athlete, 94th percentile relative athletic score. So um, Mims is someone I, I could, you know, definitely see going in the second round of the NFL draft. And if that's the case, I think he kind of you know, belongs with with that Jalen Hyatt, Josh Downs uh, tier of rookie receivers. Yeah, you can see the mock draftable web on YouTube right now it, with the lacking height, the lacking weight, and then the explosion in those explosive categories. 40-yard dash is 90th percentile, vertical 89th, broad 89th. Even three-cone is good, not amazing. My biggest concern with Marvin Mims, and I did his profile for the site, so you can check that one out for free if you would like to. You can see the ridiculous yards per catch in his player card right there. My concern is I wonder what the NFL fit is. And, it, it, you know, it's the right time to come along for the question on a receiver to be his fit because if you land in the right spot, you've got creative enough coordinators to figure out how to use you. I'm going to guess that Mims is the kind of receiver that spends – you know, roughly half his time inside and outside. I don't think he'll be strictly slot. I don't think he's big enough to be strictly outside. And if he is, I think he's going to lack target share and production. So I guess I hope that he splits time between those two areas and lands in a spot that has nice target share available or a good quarterback. I'm with you there as far as where he's going to line up in the NFL. And that, that's why I like the T.Y. Hilton comparison. You know, they're very similar size. And T.Y., you know, despite being a vertical receiver, does spend a lot of time, you know, did spend a lot of time in the slot throughout his career. So that's kind of a rare profile. And you got to have a team that, you know, can figure out how to how to use that, which is maybe the concern with Mims. Um, But I definitely think it it can translate to the next level if he lands in a good spot. And certainly having Andrew Luck as his quarterback for every one of his really (laughs) good seasons didn't hurt T.Y. Hilton along the way. Correct. 
Uh, my player that we haven't started yet, and it's somebody that I've been coming around on slowly, and it seems like every time I hear something about him, I like him a little bit more. It's Trey Palmer of Nebraska. So the negative on Trey Palmer, late breakout. It was his fourth season in college. It was after a transfer from LSU to Nebraska. He followed the coach that was ultimately the prime recruiter for him at LSU. He at least didn't turn 22 until the beginning of this month, so he wasn't an old senior with his breakout last year. And the breakout itself was huge. You know, you'd like for it to come earlier, but he did it the right way. 33% of the targets in his lone season at Nebraska, 35% of receptions, 39% of the receiving yards, 53% of the touchdowns. That gives him a 46% dominator rating, 93rd percentile among wide receivers, according to Player Profiler. In his one season there, Trey Palmer set Nebraska records for single season and single game receiving yards. He was also a productive return guy, at least at LSU, even if he didn't give us the receiving numbers. So that could be a path to early use for him and something that attracts him to NFL teams, maybe gets him the opportunity to develop into more of a wide receiver for them. And if we look all the way back to high school, I was reading Dane Brugler's guide this morning. So you get, you know, that full breakdown. You find out what he ate when he was in elementary school and all that. In high school, Trey Palmer was a state track champion in both the 100 and 200, set his state record in the 200 meter, ran a 4-3-3 at the combine. So he's still a speedster that was fastest among wide receivers. He had the second fastest 20-yard split among all the positions. So we've got an outside receiver who's very fast, and he's going to be going later. We're talking late round three of rookie drafts. And as we said with several other players, Jared, it's not that I'm saying Trey Palmer is definitely going to succeed in the NFL, but if he hits, he brings the profile that could be a really big hit and a fantasy difference maker. Yeah, context is always important with these things. And as you said, you know, late breakout fourth year, but, you know, he couldn't get on the field at LSU, which is, you know, different than not being able to get on the field at Arkansas or, you know, or Syracuse, or, you know, we know the wide receivers that have come through LSU over the past few seasons. And the 2022 season was super impressive from a market share perspective. Palmer also averaged uh, 3.26 yards per route run last season. That was seventh in the country among 320 or uh, 377 qualifiers. And again, he did it at Nebraska, where you, you look at Nebraska's number two receiver, 1.61 yards per out run. Their number three receiver, 0.92 yards per run. He was so, so much more efficient than their other wide receivers. And then the speed, you said, this guy can fly the, the 4 3 3 speed. And he's not, he's not tiny. I mean, he's not big, but he's six foot 192. He's, you know, basically Jackson Smith and Jigba size. So to have that speed at that type of size is pretty, pretty intriguing. Yeah, probably needs to add bulk for the NFL. I'm sure needs to work on his game in general, route running and all that. But, you know, you're going to be expecting that from most guys going to the NFL. Again, somebody that you're looking at anytime in round three, I think is fine in your rookie draft. We'll see about the NFL draft capital. If he hits, the hit could be good. Just make sure you don't overrate him because, you know, as we mentioned, didn't break out until he's a senior. And, you know, you can... You can find reasons why those things don't happen, but if you're making excuses for a player to rank him as highly as you are, you might be making a mistake on how high you rank him. Sure, that's fair. So that's going to do it for this wide receiver preview pod. You can find loads of free rookie content right now on DraftSharks.com. Check out last week's podcast preview of the running back class with our boy Herms. We will be back next week to preview the quarterbacks and the tight ends. Until then, as I said, leave us a YouTube comment. Tell us about your favorite wide receiver. 
subscribe, rate, review on your favorite podcast outlet. We want to hear from you. We love the help that you can give us on that front. And you're going to really want to get on board now because our projections are hitting the site. That's going to mean a lot more content coming out. It's going to be me, me and Jared arguing about the guys that I know he got wrong and projecting them and the guys that he wants to defend back to me that we'll then be tracking throughout the season to see who is more right. For Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shaw saying thanks so much for swimming with us.